forgive my voice, I'll probably cough a little bit. I've been getting over something, and who picked those songs? <laughs> it was me, okay. I also picked them while I was sick, so I have no excuse there. Um, I'm going to start with a familiar set of verses to think about as we get into this. Uh, Psalm 23, most people are very familiar with this. Psalm 23, 1 through 3, we'll just read those first three verses there. The Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. <clears throat> what comes in your head? Uh, there's certain names that when you say them, they mean something, right? So I'm gonna, I have a few names here. I want to hear what kind of comes in your head. Uh, this first one here, Michael Jordan. What, what pops in your head when you hear that name? Basketball. Yeah, basketball player, anything else? Uh, Bryce isn't here today, so I can say greatest of all time. Um, I'd sneak that one in here. Um, Gandhi, what, what comes in your uh, head when you hear the name Gandhi? Smart. <laughs> Peace, bald. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, Dolly Parton. Natalie knows what comes into my head. I'm not going to talk about that, but... Um, what do you got? Uh, famous country star, right? Generous. Yeah, she's known for her benevolence and um, her charities and stuff. Hitler, going a different direction there, right? He is probably like the one person on the planet where if you ask anybody, if anybody deserves to go to hell, even if somebody doesn't believe in hell, they're like, well, yeah, it's Hitler probably, yeah. But um, <clears throat> Stalin might be like number two there, I don't know, at least in the United States. So these are either, if they're good or bad, they're like, they're names that carry a lot, right? They're heavy names. And they carry more meaning than maybe like, like Tim Hugan does, right? Nobody knows who I am. Uh, if you say my name, they're going to be like, Hugh, Hugh, what, can you spell that for me, right? Uh, my whole life is, like half of my life is probably just spelling my name to people. So. Um, uh, a name can come to mean more than just like your label, right? Um, and your reputation's attached to it. Um, and this isn't, uh, you know, this is common even among us, like, commoners, right? So if, like, in a small town, like, uh, I grew up in Davis, so even though Elkins is a small town, this is, like, the city. You know, I grew up thinking Elkins is, like, the big city. Um, but I'm sure it's probably similar here if you grew up here uh, when I grew up. If, if somebody acted out, like, if I did something in town, everybody knew. And they knew that I was Pastor Huguenin's kid. So that name that I bore, even though it wasn't really connected fully to me, I carried a lot of responsibility for that name. Um, Adolf Hitler's half-nephew, William Hitler, moved to the United States. He was drafted into the Navy and earned a Purple Heart, serving as a hospital corpsman for the United States in World War II. But after all that service, he still changed his last name to Stuart Houston, because there's only one Hitler now, right? Nobody's gonna, nobody wants that name. All over the Bible we see the name of God uh, used in this way, not just to call him something. A lot of his names do refer to kind of an attribute, but they also refer, uh, the name carries his reputation. Uh, in Solomon's dedication of the temple in Jerusalem, we see this uh, picture in 1 Kings chapter 8. Uh, Solomon prays to God to bless the newly built temple. Um, uh, he asked for grace for those who worship there, and even those who aren't from Israel. 
uh, if you pick up in 41, he says, even for the foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for they will hear of your great name, mighty hand and outstretched arm, and they will come and pray towards this temple. May you hear in heaven your dwelling place. Do according to all the foreigner asks for you. Then all the people on earth will know your name. To fear you as your people, Israel, do, and know that this temple I have built is called by your name. So Solomon's talking about something more than just a moniker. He connects God's name with what the Gentiles hear about him, his mighty hand and outstretched arm. When he says, then all the people on earth will know your name, he isn't saying he wants everyone to know what to call Israel's God. He wants them to, set, to know that God's reputation and character will be understood and valued all over the world. And we see even as far back when God calls his, uh, Abraham out of uh, the land of the Chaldeans er, and says, hey, listen, you're going to be the start of this. Um, he tells him as far back as that that you're going to bless all nations. Uh, this is from, from the plan from the very beginning. Israel's supposed to serve a certain purpose in showing that showing that name, declaring it to the world, to do the sacrifices and stuff to make that picture Israel is a sacred place for that. But God's plan from the beginning was for all the world to know him and to know who he is and know his name. Amen. And God himself connects his name to his character. In Exodus 33, 18, Moses asks God to see his glory, right? Uh, he wants to see the fullness of who and what God is. God tells him no one can see God's face and lives, but he's going to show him something. This is what God says. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name Yahweh before you. Uh, now, Yahweh, uh, and that's, uh, I've been using the Holman Christian Standard Bible, and they do something a little weird. A lot of times they, um, they, they yeah, I'll get to that in a second. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, Yahweh is God's special covenant name. He uses it especially with his covenant people. Uh, Jewish people have historically actually been so careful not to utter the name that they would substitute Adonai and sometimes Elohim in place of Yahweh um, when copying the Bible. Almost all of our English Bibles have kind of carried on this tradition. Um, <clears throat> so when you see the Lord in all capitals, and, ver and sometimes God in all capitals, that's actually a place uh, where what is coming up is uh, actually what we call the Tetragrammaton. Is that in the next slide? Yeah. Um, so it's actually not even fully written out, and in Hebrew, I don't, I don't know Hebrew, so I'm kind of basing this off of what people tell me. And, and Brian left, so I can't even ask him about it. Um, um, it's these four letters, uh, and I would say YHWH, but they're not English letters, so I don't even know what they're called. But we call it the tet Tetragrammaton. Um, its original pronunciation is unclear. So today, um, we'll, we'll say Yahweh or Jehovah sometimes. But as I said before, uh, the Lord or God in all caps, that, that signifies that in the, original, in the original Bible, that was the Tetragrammaton, and the, the um, Hebrew scribes were so hesitant to even copy it, they would kind of obscure it with other, with other vowels or something. I don't really know. But um, the point is that they were very careful about that, and that's kind of carried over into our Bibles. But some Bibles do sometimes bring out that. Um, <coughs> And uh, when we do use this name, we want to be very careful. So uh, Exodus 34, 4 through 8, when God shows himself, let's get back to that. Um, so Moses, he cuts, he cuts two stone tablets like the first ones, uh, being because I think he's already been up and down and um, they failed and uh, the Israelites failed, sorry. Anyways, he's back up there again. He cuts the two tablets to replace the ones that were broken. 
He got up early in the morning, and taking the two stone tablets in his hand, he climbed Mount Sinai, just as the Lord commanded him. The Lord came down in a cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed his name Yahweh. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, rich in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. I think I skipped some lines there. <laughs> Maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing, rebellion, and sin, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's wrongdoing on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Moses immediately bowed down to the ground and worshiped. For God telling Moses' his name is the same thing as showing him who he is. Hallelujah. And that's a heavy name. And God takes his name and reputation seriously. You guys remember the Ten Commandments, Exodus 27. Uh, in, the, in the Holman, which I've been using just for this uh, one, it says, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And you see it's all, all caps. It's, do not use, misuse the covenant name Yahweh. Because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Um, Yahweh, God's personal specific covenant name is probably... This verse is probably why the rabbis were so hesitant even in writing it and in saying it, um, even though God used it in his word. But we also, um, the way we typically take this, the way I've always kind of took it as a kid, um, we think it's, it's just about blasphemy and uh, like using God's name as a swear word. And definitely that's wrong. Uh, Leviticus, I don't think I uh, put a slide up there. It's kind of a, a story there, but in Leviticus, there's a, uh, there's a boy who um, uses the name. It just says the name. It doesn't even say anything. But it says he uses the name blasphemously, um, and, he, and he brings this honor to it, and um, he curses and blasphemes the name, and uh, he gets stoned to that death for that. So we got to be careful about the way we use God's name, the way we talk about it. But I want to go a little deeper into that. Um, because remember, God's name carries a lot more than just the word, the sounds. It's his reputation. And there's a particular Hebrew word in this verse. Um, a lot of us might remember this verse from the King James Version, which re reads, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And um, so I want to ask ourselves, I want to think a little bit, what does it mean to take Yahweh's name? And, and if we think, well, it's just like an old way, but it still means basically what we were thinking about misusing it wrong, saying it wrong, using it as a curse word and stuff. Uh, that word is actually a Hebrew word. Um, again, I don't know he, uh, Nasa. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, Brian's still gone. I was going to ask him. Um, it's not Nasa, but if you do like Google like this word and then other things, you just get a bunch of links to Nasa. So it was kind of hard. <laughs> to find all the information I wanted, but I did look at some dictionaries, uh, some instances in the Word of the Bible, some blogs and stuff, and the word literally means to bear, lift up, or carry. It's kind of like to take, right? Um, and I believe this commandment is about more than cursing. I think when we claim Yahweh as our God, we are carrying His name to other people. We're, we're, his reputation is on the line. I don't know if you guys, uh, I'm a big hockey fan, and I really love the movie based on a true story, Miracle. Did anybody yeah. see that movie? 
the Disney movie. It's about uh, the 1980 USA hockey team in the Olympics um, struggling, and they had all these um, people from different colleges. This is before the pros could play in the Olympics. And they were all fighting. They had their own ego, and they were like wanted to be the star of the team and everything. And Herb Brooks, um, at least the way the movie portrays him, he's a genius, and not just um, the strategy that he adopted, which the movie doesn't go into as much, and I would, don't want to nerd out too much on that. Um, Herb basically took the strategy that the Russians were using and used it. Uh, again, which was kind of not common, and I'm doing it again. Okay, I, I promise I wouldn't geek out on that part. Um, uh, the NHL didn't caught on, catch on until a few years later, but they did. Anyways, uh, the Red Wings were a part of that. But anyways, okay. Um, so Herb Brooks, he was also a genius in bringing this team of like misfits and like kind of divas together, and they were they were divas, and they weren't even like the best. Like he told like the people and like they're kind of over him like no you need this guy he's better he's like no I can I can work with this guy um, and, and there's, there's all this fighting and stuff and Herb tells the, the kids kind of a moment for frustration uh, the name of the front of the name on the front of the jersey is a lot more important than the name on the back and for us that is when we when we call ourselves Christians, we take on Christ's name and Yahweh's name, we have that name on the front of our jersey. Actually, I think, uh, is David Fox here? I think he literally has a shirt that just says Yahweh on it. Uh, right, so um, when you're carrying that, um, you're carrying a whole reputation of the God of the universe, and when people see what you do, when they know who you are, um, that it makes a big impact on what they think of our God. And so when this commandment, and the Ten Commandments is not just about a careless word, it's about a careless life when we call ourselves Christians. So I'm going to bring up Psalm 23.3 again there. How might this verse, how might we think of this verse differently? Maybe not differently for you. Maybe this is all old news for you. But when I started thinking about this verse a little more about this, uh, what could, like, how does our understanding of this verse be f fulfilled and change in light of thinking about God's name as his reputation? This is, you can, uh, this is a, not a rhetorical part. Yeah. Yeah, the past he takes us on will be glory to bring glory to him. And um, and again, this is another translation thing. I don't know. Some translations say "lead me on the right" or "he leads me along the right path." Some say "along the path of righteousness," which is kind of a subtle difference. But um, I think the point here is for his name's sake. Right. 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 The, right. The psalmist is saying that God leads us along these paths 
or through righteousness because of, because of God. It's not about us. It's not about my, my, my ego or anything. It's not about people looking at me and saying that I'm a pretty good dude or that, oh, man, his life's doing pretty good. Or it's all about like people looking at us and then seeing God. And that's, um, uh, can, can I, can, sorry, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, I'm sorry. Matthew 5.16 says, let your light shine before men, that they may will see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven, not glory to us. So we remember back to Solomon's prayer, how he seemed so concerned with um, how the rest of the world thought of God's name, not just the Israelites. And God thinks about it too. And not in like an insecure way. God isn't like, oh man, I hope they like me. You know, God doesn't need that. But he's a God who reveals himself to his creatures and he wants people to know who he is accurately. He wants the rest of the world to have an accurate understanding of his character. And he will act to protect that reputation. Let's look at what God told his people through prophet Ezekiel. This is after years of uh, rejecting uh, God's ways and... Um, there's going to be some verses here. If I, as I get nervous about saying something bad, I just say, like, well, I'll just read a lot of the Bible. I think Brian even said that one time, right? Um, I can't mess up the Bible if I just read it, right? All right. It's one of the most interesting passages to me. Make sure I'm looking at the right one here. Yeah. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, while the house of Israel lived in their land, they defiled it with their conduct and actions. Their behavior before me was like menstrual impurity. So I poured out my wrath on them because of the blood they had shed on the land and because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations and they were scattered among the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and actions. When they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name because it was said about them, these are the people of the Lord. These are the people of Yahweh, yet they had to leave this land in exile. Then I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they went. We're often a lot like the Israelites, if we're honest, right? I've been careless with God's name, and not just the way I talk, but the way I act. I call myself Christian, and I, I kind of veer off the righteous path that God wants to lead me down. Um, and a lot of times my life doesn't bring honor to God's reputation and how, and God takes his name seriously and I don't. And the warning echoes in our heads. If we feel like that, we know that about ourselves and I think it's all true to some degree. We won't, we, th that name really, that, sorry, that, that verse really hits me. Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who carries his name in vain. And we see this in action right there in Ezekiel. And so if that's us, um, we can turn back, right? We, we've heard the word of the Lord. We can respond, we can repent. Um, and we want to do that before he has to get our attention the hard way. <laughs> that happens to me <laughs> sometimes, right? Um, just like it happened with the Israelites. God doesn't stand for a life that mocks him. He's patient, but eventually when it comes down to it, when his name is on the line, he's going to make sure that it's not taken in vain. Now maybe you get really bent out of shape and you know, we, we feel that guilt, we feel that conviction, maybe we think in kind of our, um, like kind of, we feel that heaviness and we think it's too late um, and we're too far gone. 
I feel like kind of scattered, like God promised to do the Israelites, right? And he did. Um, and that our sin, kind of like the land of Israel, has made us into a desolate wasteland. Um, and has God forgotten about me? Maybe it feels like he has already. Uh, remember when God said to Moses, when he proclaimed his name on the mountain, uh, it's not just the holiness and punishment, it's the compassion. It's the forgiveness. He makes this known to everyone, the mercy, and God wants to make this known to the nations and to us. So that passage of Ezekiel, I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to start there again at 19 and go through 36. I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered among the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and actions. When they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name because it was said about them, these are the people of the Lord, yet they've had to leave this land in exile. Then I had concern on, for my holy name which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they went. Therefore say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord Yahweh says. It is not for your sake that I will act, house of Israel, but for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you went. I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you profaned among them. The nations will know that I am Yahweh, the declaration of the Lord God, when I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and your idols. I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you. I will cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Then you will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will summon the grain and make it plentiful. I will not bring famine to you. I will also make the fruit of the trees and produce of the field plentiful, so that you will no longer experience reproach among the nations on account of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act. The declaration of the Lord God. Let this be known to you. Be ashamed and humiliated because of your ways, O house of Israel. This is what the Lord God says. On the day I cleanse you from your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited, and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of everyone who passes by. Then they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were once ruined, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that remain around you will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. This is what the Lord God says. I will respond to the house of Israel. I'll finish off the chapter here since I've already started. I'll respond to the house of Israel and do this for them. I will multiply them in number like a flock so the ruined cities will be filled with a flock of people just as the flock of sheep for sacrifice is filled in Jerusalem during the appointed festivals. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Now some of this it hits a little weird, right? Because we're hearing God say, okay, I'm going to bring you back, but it's not because of anything good about you. It's because of my reputation that's on the line. And not only do I punish you based on my reputation because you have profaned it, because the nations see that punishment and they're tempted to mock, God says, I'm going to show that I take my holiness seriously, but I also take... I'm also compassionate to God. I'm also merciful. And the nations will see that too. And they'll see it through you. There's nothing in our lives that deserves the blessing or the redemption. 
But because, I want to, because God wants everybody to see who he is, he's going to change us anyway. And he's going to clean us up, going to lead us down the righteous paths, and not for our own namesake, but for his, for his glory. We see this a lot, actually, in prayers. And, we, and this can kind of change the way we think about praying sometimes. Because like Kim said, a lot of times we're praying, and when it really comes down to it, it's, it's about um, what we're going to look like to people. Um, even, man, like, sometimes, and I don't even know how much, I'm sure there's some, you know, we're not always just like totally wrong and totally right, but like, there are times uh, leading up to the Sunday where I was talking to some friends I hadn't talked to in a while and like catching them up and talking about the church and everything, and I said like, oh, and I'm, you know, I help out in the worship team and I'm, I'm preaching this Sunday. Um, and then like, you know, most of that is just me like, like letting them know what's going on with my life and everything, and that's kind of a different thing. I've never done it up here before. Uh, but then later, I was thinking, like, man, is that just because I feel like more important? So I'm preaching. I, I want this person to think like I'm a little like more spiritual than the last time they talked to me. I don't know. And I had to repent. If there's anything in that my heart, God, forgive me. Um, Jeremiah fourteen seven. Uh, says, though our guilt testifies against us, Yahweh, act for your namesake. Indeed, our rebellions are many. We have sinned against you. So just as Ezekiel prophesied this acting on God's behalf based on his reputation, Jeremiah is praying. Um, he, he's appealing to God, saying like, listen, act for your reputation. Show people who you are. Show people that you're a forgiving God and a merciful God because there's nothing in us that can convince you on the basis of our own goodness because we don't have any of that. Um, and all we can look to and say, like, God, you are gracious. You are merciful. We know it. Let's see it, please. Yeah. Um, Psalm 88, 9 through 13. Uh, my eyes are worn out from crying. Lord, I cry out to you all day long. I spread out my hands to you. Do, do your work wonders for the dead. Do departed spirits rise up to praise you? Will your faithful love be declared in the grave, your faithfulness in Abaddon? Will your wonders be known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of oblivion? But I call to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer meets you. Now, this doesn't say anything about your name, your reputation, in the way that these other ones did. But when he's saying here, he's not saying, um, he's looking at it from the perspective of, the land of the living, and the audience of who's on this earth right now. He's not saying that, like, when you die, you're, like, you're mute and you can't talk to God anymore, right? You can't praise God anymore. It's not what we believe. But he's saying that I'm in distress and I'm broken down and I'm worn out. And people see that. And if you heal me, God, I will praise you. I will thank you in front of people. And people will see the goodness of who you are. And that's why he's crying out to God. He's not appealing it just based on his weirdness, although he is. And you can do that, all right? You tell God, man, I am done. I'm worn out. Um, and, and you feel like, I don't even know how to pray anymore. I don't, I know there's, uh, and, you, and you, maybe you even feel that like almost overcompensation where like, uh, why would you even care? Um, sometimes I feel like that when I pray. Like, why, why am I even doing this? Like, who am I? I'm just some 
uh, worthless little peon, right? Very kind of, uh, kind of uh, betrays like some of my more Puritan kind of <laughs> upbringing. Um, and, and it's true that there's nothing in us to get God's attention, but he does love us. And you can pray saying, God, I want to praise you, but it's hard for me right now, and, I, and, I, and we do need to learn to praise him when it's hard. Um, but think of the praises that will come, and, and we need to f- follow up on that too. If God heals us, if he answers our prayer, um, get up and talk about it to people so that they may see God's name and reputation and be lifted up and glorified. Um, uh, one more here, um, and this one I think is something that is one that we all know pretty well and should be our constant attitude in prayer. Psalm 115.1. Not to us, Yahweh, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your faithful love, because of your truth. Um, there's something that I, I, when I, again, I don't, I, I'm not trying to talk about myself too much, but like when I go to, to sing, or coming up here or anything like that. I know that there's a part of me that really wants to sound good. And there's also a part of me that enough people have told me enough that I kind of know that most of the time I sound all right. Um, and and I, I, gotta, I gotta stop anything in my brain that comes up to, to think about that it's about me, I gotta stop that. And I gotta pray uh, before I do anything like this that it's, um, a lot of times I'll say, like, not my kingdom, but yours. Uh, but, and what I mean is this, too. Not to us, Yahweh, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your faithful love, because of your truth. So if you haven't taken up the name, and, and we're kind of a small group, and I um, know most of us here are familiar uh, with this, uh, you know, with Jesus. Um, but if it's true that you haven't taken up that name, um, concerned your, with your own life, you're kind of more worried about your own reputation. Do you want to know God, who calls himself Yahweh, who is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, rich in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing, rebellion, and sin, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's wrongdoing on the children and grandchildren, to the third and fourth generation. Maybe you hear this and it makes you want to bow down and worship to this God just like Moses did. And maybe he scares you, and um, he scares me sometimes. But there's still something in you that wants to know God on a first-name basis, like Moses did. Moses talked to Yahweh like a friend talks to a friend face-to-face. The good news is you don't need to climb, like Moses, a smoking, thundering mountain. Um, For all-powerful Yahweh became a man and came to earth by another name, Jesus. And this Jesus is the only way to know God, because he is God. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. This is make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. He tells you to count the cost. 
Make sure you're serious about it because God takes his name seriously and you better not take it in vain. But he also sees us weak and tired and says, come to me all here weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. He says, just like he told rebellious Israel, I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit within you. I remove your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. I'll place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Then you will be my people and I will be your God. So come to Jesus and know him. He will be your good shepherd, and you will need nothing else but him. He will make you lie down in green pastures, and he will lead you beside the still waters. He will restore your soul, and he will lead you in right paths for his name's sake. Um, the music team come back up, and I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll sing and be dismissed. God, we come to you, and um, we are conscious. I am conscious of my sin, and... My failure in carrying your name to the people and using it in a way that doesn't honor you and forgive me for that, God. Um, God, give us power in our lives to carry your name to the world with lives that honor it and by your power walk those right paths where you lead us for your name's sake. Amen.